This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the newest edition in the Compliance Podcast Network, my latest podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus. As the voice of compliance, I wanted to start a podcast which will help bring both clarity and sanity to the field of compliance, the compliance practitioner, and indeed the compliance profession during this worldwide health and healthcare crisis. Taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events, to the role of the board of directors, to crisis management, to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. We will post on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time for the foreseeable future as we navigate our way through this incredible crisis. First, a word about our sponsor, SAI Global. With the coronavirus and COVID-19 pandemic continuing to change rapidly, trust and integrity are paramount to business continuity preparedness. SAI Global is here to help compliance and risk professionals facing these challenges, including unprecedented business impacts from employee well-being to disrupted supply chains. SAI 360 is a cloud-first software and modern ethics and compliance learning platform designed to help you navigate risk from every perspective. To learn more about how you can protect your business operations and workforce during these uncertain times, visit saiglobal.com backslash risk for free resources, expert guidance, and industry-leading technology. Thanks again to SAI Global for sponsoring this most important podcast. In this episode, I visit with Jared Connor, subject matter expert on CSR from Ascent Compliance. We talk about responsible minerals, the responsible mineral initiative, and what the current health crisis will do for your compliance program and mandate it going forward. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode, and I'm thrilled to have with me my colleague, Jared Connors. And Jared is well known to the podcast community and to this podcast as a subject matter expert at Ascent Compliance in Corporate Social Responsibility. So, Jared, first of all, uh, welcome. Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. So, Jared, one of the questions I'm hearing in the wind is, does compliance still go on? So, you're a subject matter expert in CSR. Ascent Compliance are sort of specialized in supply chain and that side of compliance. So, I guess the basic question we'll start with is compliance still ongoing? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I was a little befuddled the first time I got that because, of course, the answer is the resounding yes, um, unless, uh, you know, <laughs> unless the current administration changes all requirements for companies to report um, and the broader market expectations, especially in the corporate social responsibility space, cease to exist. Uh, reporting and, and transparency within the supply chain, especially to activities surrounding responsible sourcing or modern day slavery, all of those things, all those expectations are absolutely still there for companies to report and reflect on. So, Jared, uh, that's certainly true in the regulated industries I've been taking a look at. But I was wondering if we could really uh, drill down into this topic for responsible minerals and why the year 2020 uh, was set up to be such a seminal year in uh, your part of the woods. Yeah, yeah, very, very big changes afoot in responsible minerals. So, 
formally known, I would say, or most widely known as conflict minerals reporting uh, to do with the Dodd-Frank 1502, uh, Dodd-Frank Act and Section 1502. Um, conflict minerals came about in the U.S. legislation for companies to identify their material sources of origin for tin, tantalum, tungsten, and gold. And now, in as we've been going forward with this for several years, uh, the, the market expectations, the global expectations are really evolving. And 2020 especially is a very pivotal year because we're about to hit the deadline for EU conflict minerals, which goes into effect in January 2021. So 2020 was our, I'll say, practice period and education time to make sure that we're understanding and we're well versed of what the market expectations are for companies who are going to be reporting either because they have a reporting obligation or they're going to be voluntarily reporting. Uh, I guess the answer, I'm going to self-answer my um, question, which is, uh, does that reporting go away? And I'm just going to go ahead and pose that perhaps the answer is no, but what can companies do, Jared, in this most, um, I don't want to say unsettling period, but a period where things are really up in the air, uh, certainly around the economy and maybe around uh, the uh, health issues that are going on, what can companies do, some of the practical steps they can take now from your perspective? Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think the first thing that companies need to do is they need to start talking internally, especially at the C-suite level. And they need to understand what their company's commitment is to corporate responsibility initiatives. What is their stance to corporate responsibility initiatives? Because the first thing that we all think may go during these trying times, or if there's going to be a significant economic impact to organizations, as they say, oh, these, these nice to have, um, you know, expectations of companies to be good corporate citizens. And personally, I would beg to differ. I think that just because you might have a trying economic time for a company ahead doesn't mean that you can ignore obligations in the market to address things of, like in the nature of being a good corporate citizen. And I think that that's a real interesting point that companies have to look internally to say, what's going to be our expectation? Are our customers going to suddenly forgo mandates that have been so important to them for things like responsible mineral sourcing, to continue to use that example? Are we going to step away from those obligations, those market expectations, whether we're a U.S. public filer or whether we're obligated by law to communicate our transparency of our due diligence program in the EU. Um, and chances are the answer is going to be a resounding no. These things aren't going to go away. These aren't fluff programs and companies. They're becoming very or already have become very strategic programs within companies' core culture, if you will, to make sure that they're doing business properly and that they're meeting market expectations and they're meeting investor expectations. So just because we're potentially facing some trying economic times doesn't mean that things that uh, um, some people might perceive as nice to have will will go away. Jared, could I take that point and maybe take it a few steps down the road by suggesting that it's even more important now if there is a limitation on economic uh, expenditure by either consumers or businesses and they want to either purchase products or even invest their money in companies that they are aligned with uh, both philosophically and financially and economically, uh, that would seem to me to be the reputational issues that you've detailed 
actually become even more important in a limited economy. Absolutely. And especially if you think you have to separate the two of consumer products versus B2B. And and if you're watching TV right now, especially in America, and you're watching commercial breaks, pay attention to the way that they're appealing to you as a consumer. And it's mostly to your, you know, your, your expectations of community and, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, your involvement in what's happening around you. And, and that really goes to show in the way that marketing has, has changed for companies. And I don't think of CSR as a marketing initiative. I'll get back to that in a second, but, um, that they are appealing to us because we do oftentimes have an expectation that we're working with companies that are doing the right thing. And then if we think of the B2B side and the way that companies are going, if you're going to start limiting your supply, especially from a geography perspective, and therefore as a supplier, things are going to be very competitive for you to separate or differentiate yourself from other companies in your business. What are some ways that you can do that. And, and with demonstration of your supply chain transparency and your efforts to meet global market expectations and the corporate responsibility space, that's going to be one big differentiator because companies have thoroughly embedded this into their procurement practice. And now on the point of that, I was trying to you know, make sure I wasn't um, getting across that, that CSR isn't a marketing thing. It, it, it is a way to market your goods and services. It's a way to differentiate your product, but it is not um, a program that is just marketing. It, it is deeply embedded in process. And that's why 2020 is going to be so interesting from a broader CSR perspective because of so many key events that have been canceled or postponed. And again, I go back to the responsible minerals example. Um, so many key events have been um, so far canceled in, the, in metals associations and um, the OECD meetings. Um, scheduled for April. Um, now, with those being canceled, are we going to get as key stakeholders the right amount of information in order to understand what those market expectations to move forward are? So we're not going down the wrong path. And the answer is we have to rely on those who have a seat at the table, if you will, that those who are able to, to disseminate that information from those organizations to a broader community of, of companies, because um, it, it's not like every single company can be at the OECD, even if the event is going on. So how are you going to get that information? So I would advise companies to, to really go and troll their, their sources of information for making sure that they are keeping up with what the market expectations are going to be. Well, Jared, really, isn't that one of the, uh, I don't say obligations, but isn't that one of the things that companies like Ascent Compliance provide to the marketplace is that information uh, is uh, putting out what the regulators uh, are expecting, or indeed the, the business community is expecting as an educational service? For sure, and, I, and I'm not—I don't want to do a you know a shameless plug of Ascent here, but I will say this from a software company perspective: you cannot be in this day and age in the compliance business and provide software without dedicated expertise. Now, I don't want to refer to myself as an expert, but. The team that I'm a part of at Ascent, it is our job one to engage with external associations and standards bodies and so we can bring that information back to our software team so that we're always future-proofing. And we can serve our customers by letting them know what's coming around the corner so they're well aware of those expectations. And and, and any good company it, it, it is worth their salt in this area is able to do that. And, and that's because... 
if you're not just performing, if you're just performing software uh, services and you're, and you're not actually paying attention to what's going on, how can you ensure that your program is feature-proof? How can you ensure that the validation process of evaluating what suppliers are giving you or, or what you're supposed to be giving your customers is correct? How, how can you ensure that that is meeting market expectations, regulatory reporting expectations, and, and, you know, and, and then it's something that's of good quality without that in the know, if you will, to what these standards associations are, are really uh, trying to achieve. Jared, it also struck me in uh, listening to your remarks that the cost of doing this, the policies, the procedures, and the software to engage in responsible marketing uh, has in many ways and in many places already been put in place, or as an economist would say, it's a sunk cost. So that's not going to actually cost you anything more to engage in responsible marketing. Minerals, and it's not going to cost you anymore to have this sort of reputational um, um, issues that demonstrate your commitment to both responsible minerals and an overall CSR program. So that in an era, or at least a short time period, where a company may have to do less um, with more, or rather uh, do more with less or even less with less, you already have the policies, procedures, and software in place to be able to say we're doing uh, sourcing minerals responsibly. We're sourcing our supply chain responsibly. And that could be a real market differentiator at this point. Yeah, it really can. And, and you know, you we bring up an interesting point. You know, is it going to really cost us any more to do this? Well, it's going to cost you a heck of a lot if you lose a contract because you're not meeting the expectations of your customers or the reputational hit to your product uh, because consumers view you as not being a good corporate citizen. That's, that's where the real cost is. And, and so having programs in place that address these issues, um, yeah, the cost of those programs is, is minuscule compared to what it could cost you if you don't. And, and by having a program or using economies of scale, like somebody who's out there and engaging with these associations so that your company doesn't have to, because that's what the real cost is to company. It's just, I need to have the expertise in my own four walls to keep up with this stuff. And the answer is if everybody does that, then, you know, events like OECD, <laughs> you know, have 50,000 people instead of 2000 people at them, number one. And, and number two, um, it, it's not very cost effective for every single company to be doing that. If we're, you know, bombarding the metals associations, for example, of information of uh, source of origin details and, uh, you know, have these smelters or mines have been audited, for example. If everybody's asking the same question, it can really overload the system. So not only can you take advantage of, you know, the economies of scale, you know, through a provider, for example, like working with Ascent, but also you're, you're getting the information from somebody who's already within the table, that, that has a seat at the table, if you will, and and working with them uh, on a regular basis. Um, but what's really interesting about the whole cost aspect is um, if we don't get involved as organizations, my question to so many companies is, are you willing to bear the cost of waiting until it's too late? Are you willing to bear the cost of catch up once your customer makes it a demand? So the, the real, the cost curve, you know, we've been hearing a lot of stuff in the news lately about flattening the curve. That, that can be also used in the state of compliance flatten the curve by having a program to address these programs or these issues, these, these expectations 
as you go rather than waiting until somebody like a customer, for example, makes it a contractual obligation, then you have to play catch up. Well, Jared, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time on this episode, but this has been a fascinating exploration, starting with the basic question, does compliance go on? We went through the responsible mineral sourcing, uh, CSR, and the sunk cost and potential damage for not continuing to engage in corruption, excuse me, uh, in compliance. So I think one thing is clear to me that we're going to be continuing this conversation, Jared. Yeah, I'd be happy to. And, and certainly the, the talk is out there for sure. And the questions keep coming in. And and I think it, it's very encouraging for people to continue to send those questions in to make sure that they are apprised of what's going on in the world around them. Thanks so much, Jared. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance in Coronavirus. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like explored on this podcast, please shoot me an email at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, as a call to action, I would ask if you could to please tell one of your friends about the podcast so we can spread the word out about the newest podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. Also, if you would leave us a rating on iTunes or a review, it would greatly help get this the word out about this most important podcast over the next several months. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me for our next episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.